Hello and welcome to Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly. My name is Victor Sosa, joined, as always, by the legend Les Thatcher. Well, it was pretty easy to put the topic list together today, Les, especially <laughs> since all anyone's been talking about in the last 18 hours is the impending return, which actually, now that I look at this story here on The Observer, I, I, I suppose has effectively already happened, of Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and certainly we will be discussing that shortly. However... We did want to begin uh, this week's program, less with uh, something that I thought was, and, and both of us really think is pertinent, given some of the events of the week. If you follow the NFL at all, or you don't really have to follow the NFL to see this story. It's been one of the top stories around the world uh, since it happened on Monday night. The injury to the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin, and the outpouring of support and the things he's been through, and the fact that there was some good news yesterday, in fact, some better than good news, great news about the young man's condition, although he obviously still has a long way to go. And seeing everything that went down on Monday Night Less brought some stories to mind for you, one specific story. Yeah, it did. Uh, you know, uh, listening to the athletes uh, throughout the week on, the, on ESPN and Fox Sports, uh, you know, their, you know, their sincere passion and caring about this and, and how it affected those players on the field uh, as well Monday night. I mean, both teams, uh, the, you know, the Bills and the Bengals and uh, the, the entire thing and how, well, uh, how much money has been raised for the, I mean, uh, donations of over $5 million the last time I heard. Uh, but yes, the, the whole country has uh, been made aware of this and, uh, on uh, Pardon the Interruption, which I'm a big fan of, uh, Will Bond and, and uh, Tony, uh, and, and the thing that Tony mentioned, too, he said uh, at the end of their conversation about it was he said, you know, you and uh, meeting uh, Michael Wilbon, he said, you and I are, uh, are upset. You know, we have a feeling feelings about this, and it's touched us. But he said, I am so uh, just so intrigued by the passion and caring outpour from the players because he said, you and I write about uh, football and we watch it, but these guys are immersed in it and it's a whole different level. And I thought, man, are you talking about internet wrestling writers and, and wrestlers as well? But yes, um, I was in the middle of, very much in the middle of something very similar to this in 1972 in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, it, we were wrestling on Monday night in, in the park center, which is the, was the weekly venue in Charlotte. And, uh, I had just finished a match and I was headed for the dressing room. My dear, uh, friend Luther Lindsay was on his way to the ring and we slapped hands and I said, go get him Buffy. Uh, and Buffy being, uh, goes back to being the nickname that Stu Hart had for his wife, for Helen. And, uh, Luther spent a lot of time there and Luther has just an amazing sense of humor. And, and so he would call everybody Buffy, right? So that's why I had said, uh, give him hell Buffy. And he said, I'm going to Buffy and we've slapped hands. And that's the last time I was ever able to speak a word to my dear friend, Luther Lindsay. I went in, uh, got undressed, got in the shower, and I'd come out and was toweling off, and an usher stuck his head in the dressing room door and said, something's happened to Luther. They've called the life squad. 
and I pull on pair uh, pair of slacks and my flip flops, no shirt or anything, and and myself and Johnny Weaver and Abe Jacobs headed to the ring. And Luther was just uh, well. By the time we got there, they had security had uh, got him to the apron, and, and uh, the ambulance was the, the people were just coming in. But we just we, we didn't you know uh, this guy was just a, an amazing person. I mean, personality, wrestler, uh, great sense of humor. He traveled with my uh, with me a lot there, and uh, we became close. We came very close, but you know, um, then once they st- uh, took him up, put him on the gurney and, and got him out of the building and okay, they're taking him to the hospital. I went back to the dressing room, finished dressing myself and start packing his bag and stuff because I was going to take his clothes and his bag and head to the hospital and, and sit. And, uh, before I got finished with that task, uh, John Ringley, who at the time was uh, one of second in command with the Crockett organization, was married to Francis Crockett, came in and saw what I was doing. He said, Les, you don't have to be in a hurry. He said, looked up and I said, what do you mean, John? He said, Luther's gone. And Luther had passed away. Uh, he's, uh, they brought him back in the, you know, at the park center, but then they lost him uh, between there and the hospital. And uh, just, you know, the feeling, feeling that was I had been in the wrestling business for 12 years at that point in time and I knew it was dangerous and I knew it could you know uh, could be serious injury but I can't even begin to tell you how clear this was in my mind that night and then in the you know in the ensuing days uh, of man this happened to a friend, somebody I'm close to, and I had never thought this could happen to me. But it it, it changes your. I mean, it it. Uh, I can't even begin to to tell you that feeling, and uh, you know, to know that your friend is gone, and um, I, I'm proud to say that I was one of the uh, honorary pallbearers. For Luther's funeral, and uh, many of us, you know, shared tears and, and everything. He's a great man, a great wrestler, a great human being, and um, but so yeah, I, I just wanted to, you know to bring that up and mention that I, I can understand you know what these ball players are feeling because they realize uh, they're for the grace of God is me, and uh, where. That game, from what I understand this morning, has been canceled. Period. And I realize both Buffalo and Cincinnati are in the in the uh, hunt for the the playoffs, and I'm not sure how this is all going to you know transpire and whether they're going to call it a draw or what. I'm not sure. Um, or no, you know, but <clears throat> then I thought of the graphic difference because the next day wrestling went on. I don't remember what town I was in, but we worked and we continue to work. Obviously when, except, you know, at the time of Luther's funeral, um, you know, and, and so many of the guys showed up, but like I say, I was, uh, I forget who, oh, I've got that, that, the little, uh, program they give you at, at a funeral service. 
which is listed. I, I know Abe, Abe Jacobs, and Johnny Weaver. Uh, myself, I think J.J. Dillon, uh, J.J. was a, a babyface at the time and traveled with Luther and I quite a bit. Um, but anyway, um, it was just sobering, sad, um, bittersweet in many, I mean, because you sit there, and still today, I, I think of Luther and, and what we shared and, and miss him. Uh, but I just want, you know, I, I wanted to mention that, that it's, it could happen. It, it had happened, you know, firsthand to, to me and I was right in the middle of it. And, um, so yeah, my, uh, condolences to, uh, to the young man who's in the hospital, his family, and, and of course to the, the ball players around him, because I, I realize how they hurt much more than the fans, uh, can realize, I think sometimes too. Well, with respect to what they're going to do since they're not making the game up, they've decided to just go on sheer winning percentage, which I guess would give Kansas City a bit of an unfair advantage since they're going to have the extra game if they win. Obviously, if they lose, it might end up playing into the favor of Buffalo and or Cincinnati, but they're not going on any other tiebreaker besides winning percentage to determine those three top seeds in the AFC. But with respect to the things that you were talking about and sharing your experience with something frighteningly similar to what we saw on Monday night, a couple of questions come to mind because you talked about going to the ring to see if there was anything you could do to help your friend. And Obviously, I'm reminded of the fact that both teams formed a shield, a wall around DeMar Hamlin while he was being given what turned out to be life-saving medical attention. And they had to witness that themselves and the trauma of seeing someone near death so that everyone else in the building would not see it to preserve, you know, a little dignity for young Mr. Hamlin. And that's not an image that's going to leave their heads anytime soon, which is why I'm glad they decided to not play that game at all. But to your point about having wrestling the next night, they're going to be back on the field Sunday, like it or not. And I'm curious to know if you can actually even put a number on it. I'm not sure you can. But how many nights after that did you get in the ring thinking, Man, I, you know, I, I'm kind of nervous. So once you start, you know, when you realize you're really exerting yourself in the ring and it's a particularly difficult night, I'm not blown up necessarily, but once you find yourself looking for a little extra wind, or, you know, how long were you nervous in the ring? Like, oh man, is this something other than what I think it is? I, I think I felt that for uh, probably a couple of weeks afterwards. Because like I say, you know, uh, when I got home that night, and just sat by myself, just sat there uh, and thought, you know, this could have happened to me. It could happen to me any, any night over the last 12 years that, that I have been a wrestler. And it happened to a dear friend. And I think, uh, you know, if it's someone that you've never met, or, you know, you, you, you sense it, you feel uh, but this was so close to home. And, uh, and the other thing that was similar to me too, and I, I hadn't mentioned that and I, I really need to is Luther had had walking pneumonia, uh, and it came back to work. And I mean, he was a bull of a, of a man, uh, if every, anyone's ever heard about Luther's shooting background and stuff, he was an animal when, when provoked, uh, but like I say a sweet human being, a great man. Uh, but anyway. He had come back to work, and, and uh, I guess everyone wasn't sure that he was 100% well. But 
the finish, he was wrestling a young man named Bobby Paul. And in the finish, Luther dove on him like a big splash thing. And from what I understand, Bobby, he got his knees up. And I'm thinking of where the you know the Bengals player yes, saw saw did. the hit coming. Yes, dropped his head, but and someone said he uh, no he didn't spear. He dropped his head to protect his face and his head, and not go helmet to helmet. Uh, you know with a tackler, uh, but he hit that chest, right? And, I, you know, which may have, could have created, they're saying, the irregular heartbeat. And I'm thinking, is that what happened to, because with Luther, his heart burst because the walls had been weakened with uh, the walking pneumonia. And, and he was, uh, he either passed out, He obviously they brought him back, before they got him out of out of Park Center, but Bobby had to push Luther off. Luther was unconscious by the count of three, and he won the match. But Bobby couldn't didn't then real, realize that Luther was he just thought passed out or you know had fainted or something, and had to push his way out from under. But that that was a, two, two similarities I saw as well. Yeah, and of course they mentioned Luther's heart bursting, but still. I'm wondering if that knee could have, you know, been similar to the helmet hitting the chest of the young man who, you know, had ear, started with an irregular heartbeat and ended up in uh, cardiac arrest. Yeah, that knee may have just hit that spot and it was something that science just wasn't aware of perhaps at the time or just wasn't yeah. common enough to be something that anyone would think of. You know, it's funny this week in watching that and hearing that, obviously you had the personal experience, but I started thinking about Jerry Lawler. And the heart issues, and he actually, I believe they said, did technically die, and they brought him back uh, that right. night on Raw after a match with Dolph Ziggler. And when he was recounting the match to the doctors after he came to a few days later, the doctor said to him, because there was a sequence in that match with Ziggler where Ziggler dropped something like eight or even ten consecutive elbows on his chest, and the doctor said it was the elbow drops that knocked you out of rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and talk about players. Uh, Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback, uh, seems like a real class guy. Obviously, I've never met him, but he uh, was on uh, with uh, the guys from Pardon the Interruption last night, and he was upset still about this. And usually, he is glib and you know, it's a great talker. And when he's covering the, you know, going over football points and stuff, but he was you know, uh, conf not confused, but, uh, you could tell he had been upset all week and mentioned, you know, his prayers, uh, going out to the family and the, and the player and this and that. Uh, but I thought, man, this has just touched everybody so, so bad. And then I sit and think about all the players, my uh, players, all the wrestlers in my generation over the last number of years that have, uh, passed on before me. And I know I said to somebody here a few months ago, I said, you know, I think I've almost run out of tears that I've, you know, cried for, for my brothers on the road uh, over these last number of years. And uh, I think when uh, Dr. Tom and I went down to Marietta and sat uh, with Brad Armstrong, you know, at his gravesite along with uh, 
Hui Wee Allen Funk and, and Lash LaRue that day brought a lot of that back to me as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we got to understand, too. And, and first, I, the reason I brought it up, too, Vic, was some people may look at these football players and say, oh, they're being melodramatic, and they don't. But believe me, they care. They care. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, the coming together of fandom, the players, in a time that this country is, is so many problems and so much screwed up, is is heartening, I think, and, and you think there's there's still a possibility of us all being getting along and and having this country be what it once was. Hey, there's always hope. You know, you're just one uh, one statement, one heartbeat, one gesture away from changing everything. One decision away from changing everything. Uh, speaking of one decision from changing everything, there may be some folks in Titan Tower crying right now. The idea that so, Vince McMahon is making his way back to the company less. Dave has a lot more on this in The Observer, which you can check out now at F4WOnline.com. Listen, there are a lot of people who are probably a little more qualified to talk about the company machinations here. But the bottom line is Vince and uh, has forced his way back onto the board as the chairman. In his filings, in his pleas to the board in order to get back in, in his filings to the SEC, which were uh, sent in today, apparently. Uh, he mentioned that it was important for him as the lead shareholder uh, to be a part of the upcoming TV rights deals and the potential for a sale. Now, you can just strike the whole TV rights deal thing because it's complete BS. He did put it in his statement, but let's be real. The reason they hired Nick Khan was because he did such a great job doing what? Getting their last TV deal. So you didn't right. need Vince McMahon for that. And so obviously the word on the street is that there's a sale potentially in the offing and to Vince's credit, I think, and maybe credit's not the right word, but I understand his point in his statement where he says, listen, it's very important that anyone who might be interested in spending God knows how many billions of dollars on this company know that they're going to have the support of the controlling shareholder because it could be a very difficult process or maybe not even work out at all. If the lead shareholder is not in uh, in agreement with any deal anyone else is trying to make without him. So to have he his contention is being back in the company in a position of authority and having uh, a hand in facilitating any potential deal will make things a lot smoother and uh, the due diligence process a lot easier because there'll be no surprises in terms of having to uh, maybe some make some kind of side deal with the controlling shareholder in order for the company to change hands. But here's another part of it that just gets me. I realize now that, you know, not only is he back at the chairman as the chairman, he's on the board and he brought two people with him on the board, which means three people have been kicked off the board. And the two people he brought, Michelle Wilson and George Barrios, are two people he fired. <laughs> did we yes. really, we really need them to help facilitate <laughs> the sale you brought nick Khan in to essentially replace them both so what is really going on here i would say that george and michelle have been in vince's ear that's what i'd say i think and uh, yeah i it, this is all uh, I, I i guess there is some benefit to this you know uh but it could turn around and bite them in the ass just as well too if now, of course, we're sitting here speculating and, and that's all any of us can do because the internally it's going to be up to 
uh, Vince and, uh, uh, you know, uh, his daughter and his son-in-law and a few other people. And uh, does George and Michelle get along with Stephanie and Paul? Uh, I mean, you know, personal uh, relationships, I don't care how many millions of dollars are involved or how high up in a corporate uh, situation this is, it still becomes down to some of it is, is personal. And, um, now, okay. He wants to, uh, be involved in setting up, uh, any type of TV deals or any type of, uh, you know, entertainment deals like that with the potential of selling it. Okay. But if this gets to be a infight behind, you know, with, with management and that goes public, that could just a affect stock prices going down and B uh, make somebody that may be a potential uh, purchaser uh, a little leery uh, and thinking, well, you know, if stocks going down and the business is not all that good because of that, I, my, my price is going down. So, uh, you know, as much as, and, and then who knows what's going to happen with this. And I said to you before we start recording this, this parallels a friend of Vince by the name of Trump, doesn't it? And, <laughs> yeah. In some ways it does. You know, after, after, after losing the election, uh, Hey, we're going to come back. Uh, I, I hope Donald's attempt is failure. I, I am not, I don't feel that, you know, heated about Vince, but, um, uh, I, I can't say that it's all positive either. And, uh, wow. It's just, I, I, I see it as, I don't know. Uh, it's toss up. It just depends which, where this direction goes. And then there again, I would guess that there are people on this roster who's, uh, there's a potential for their contracts to be up within, I don't know, six months uh, to a year. Uh, who may have decided uh, that they want to stay when Vince left because they didn't like the way, you know, he called his, called the shots in, in creative and they're, you know, they uh, were supporters of, of uh, triple H and Stephanie and that sort of thing. So it, it also could affect the roster in various ways. You know, I'm sure Vince has butted heads with some of the guys that are being featured now in the girls. And um, so, you know, and, and they probably took a sigh of relief when he decided to step down. So, yeah, it's it's multifaceted. We talk; it's about sales and who's going to run the store. No, it's about a whole bunch of other things. And as potentially profitable as Vince is obviously trying to make it look, uh, it could be potentially disastrous financially as well. Don't you think? Well, to your point about the roster. I mean, there are a number of people who've been brought back in Vince's absence that he released. And in terms of timing not being any worse, how about PW Insider yesterday reporting that William Regal is back in Stanford, officially in the building, having apparently put pen to paper on that contract. And he was one of the last cuts from Vince McMahon. And it took him, uh, and by the time he gets back into the company, the same guy who fired him may be in charge again. So what's to say yeah. it won't happen twice for all, for any really? of these people, right? But then let's also. And, 
Yeah. You know, and Regal had a good good position. Yes. When he left, he did. And I, I quite honestly couldn't see any reason to cut to that man. He's a treasure. Uh, he's a great mind, a class act, and uh, extremely valuable to anybody who has him. And so I never understood that that to begin with. And I know that he and, and uh, Levesque are tight, obviously. Yes. So uh, does that mean that uh, Paul and, and daddy-in-law might have to go butt heads? Well, you, I don't know. You're going in the direction I wanted to go here with speculating on a little more palace intrigue. I mean, if I'm regal now, I'm renting as opposed to buying because I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. But the other part of it is, is Vince sincere in the idea that I'm just here to be a businessman in the purest sense of the word and facilitate the best deal I can for this company? Or is this a pissing contest? You kicked me out. No one else is going to get to run this thing but me. If I can't, then you won't either. So I'm going to sell it and take my ball and go home. To that end, you know, as Dave wrote in The Observer, Vince coming back in this position essentially eliminates the need for people like Nick Khan and for Stephanie, quite frankly, in these current roles, at least. So how much advance notice did anyone have about his desire to return? And if they talked to him and maybe thought they had talked him down, was he making moves behind people's back after they thought they had put that fire out? See, I was talking to somebody today and this was just pure speculation on my part. But I wondered whether or not there's necessarily a deal on the table that Nick, Paul Levesque, or Stephanie were aware of. What if Vince, in an effort to thumb his nose at everybody and get this big payout uh, walking out the door, wasn't just didn't just get maybe uh, overtures from some major corporation looking to spend four to six billion dollars on a television property they can own and control. What if Vince was out there without telling anybody soliciting for offers and is coming in the door because he's already got someone lined up, which we won't know at least for a few days, if not a few weeks. You know, what if he's been doing this on the sly since he left the building here just to pull the rug out from under everybody? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a possibility too. This is the professional wrestling business, no matter if it's the corporate level or, or an individual level, and chicanery is is not uh, anything new <laughs> to, to wheeling and dealing uh, in the industry. So yeah, it could be any of those things. You're absolutely right. Uh, and who are the three people on the board that uh, got canned? Do you have any idea? I am efforting to find that. I don't see it here in Dave's article, but I am skimming at this moment. So I, it may be in here, and I just haven't seen it. I would imagine there were probably... Now, of course, this is just me being a smart aleck, but uh, probably the two people who were... Uh, well, the three people who were most vociferous about making sure he didn't come back are probably the three. Who left <laughs> right. You were probably right. And, and that was, uh, when he was mentioning this, they were saying that, uh, the board sent him a message. I mean, I'm just generalizing it. Obviously 
that uh, they didn't think with this investigation ongoing about his extracurricular activities and the fact that uh, the company had spent quite a bit of money with that, that now was not the time for him to come back. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Obviously, he felt differently. Again, I, I see this and I just think he's already got a buyer lined up. And if someone's not already ready to put that money down, he's been having conversations with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with you at all. Uh, we can call Vince a lot of things, but dumb is not one of them. Definitely not. Uh, no. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, he could have this all cut and dried in his mind that, you know, I manipulate my way back to here. I've got the deal already to sign, you know, uh, somebody's sitting in the wings ready to buy buy the place. And uh, am, am I, this is a little off the track, but did I read someplace where, Tony Khan is spewing this uh, WWE is trying to sabotage AEW again. Uh, if he is, it wouldn't surprise me. I haven't seen it, but I mean, newsflash to Tony, WWE is always trying to sabotage somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you spit in the eye of the lion, expect a lion to roar and <laughs> try to bite you, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, they're never not going to try and submarine you, Tony. Man, that's a fact. That's a fact. But yeah, yeah, this, uh, here we go again with something that has nothing, no relationship basically of what's going to happen in the ring tonight on SmackDown or on raw next week or any of these, uh, NXT or anything else. And yet it may be the most, uh, talked about storyline and, and, uh, talk about chicanery. We may see better manipulation in this angle than we do in the normal. Things on the show, for I, God's sake. I tell you this, Vince hasn't booked anything this good in a while. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. I, you know, <clears throat> before we, I know we got, we got to, we can't spend the rest of our lives on this. I, I just want to throw out real quick, uh, a lot of things going on this week for me just getting back off of two weeks uh, out of town and, and uh, having to have my uh, see my surgeon about uh, checking up on the skin cancer on my ear, which by the way is healing very well. He told me, uh, all this, uh, stuff. I want to say that SmackDown last Friday was a strong show. And the thing that jumped on, I, I wanted to shout out to, uh, Raquel Rodriguez. To me, she is, she has a great future. If she's used properly, she doesn't get injured or, or they just take off and do something stupid with her. This girl is going to be a big, big star in this business. Uh, she and Rousey had the best match I have seen, best wrestling match I have seen Ronda Rousey have ever. And I, I can't say I've seen all of her matches, uh, but this was in part the reason, uh, very much so for, for that being so. And, um, to me, the main ingredient for Raquel is her passion, her fire, her love for the, for wrestling. It's, it's not just there, but you feel it. It comes off of her, which it should come off of every star in any wrestling promotion in the world today. And it doesn't. For the most part, it's actually a foreign thing in many. I mean, because they are so into uh, paint by numbers and doing, you know, that sort of thing. But with her, man, I, I, I love watching her. 
And yes, she's an attractive woman, but that's not even the point. The point is that she loves what she's doing and that shows and it affects the people watching her. And that is the ingredient that's missing in so many of these young ladies. Good. So I just wanted to shout out to Raquel. Could not agree with you more about that. While we're talking about the ladies in the ring, let me set something up here because in a few seconds, Les is going to tell you where you can get some high-quality wrestling DVDs and T-shirts. And after that, we're going to discuss the debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling of Mercedes Monet and whether or not she may be turning up on Wednesday nights sometime soon. So with that, Les, let everybody know where they get hold of some great merch. All right, fine, sure. I want to talk real quick uh, about the T-shirts, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. they got a big sale on, by the way. Um, and, of course, that you can get a Briscoe Booster tee there, uh, that which was the first ever Pro Wrestling T-shirt on the market, put out in 1972 by Jack, Jerry, and myself, artwork by Jerry the King Lawler. And you can, like I can say that is on sale at Pro Wrestling Tees, along with I'm a Les Thatcher guy, if you happen to be. As far as videos... DVDs, Wrestling from the Heartland, The Lost Developmental Tapes, Volumes 1 and 2, over six hours of content on each. Both are two DVD sets, matches, interviews with extras. Um, Joe Gombrowski and I do the voiceover. Joe basically does the play-by-play, and I cover the uh, behind-the-scenes stories and and in-depth talk about the performers and uh, some of the things that went on in the company. And uh, you can get those at joe-dombrowski.com or prowrestlinglibrary.com. And, uh, of course, uh, the Brian Pillman Show's Anthology, the 20th anniversary one that I'm extremely proud of. It's a four-DVD set, over 15 hours of content, all four of the great shows in 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Matches, interviews, auction footage. And we raffled off everything from JR's hat to Delo's chest protector. Awards and extras, uh, <clears throat> I say, uh, this if you want to see WWE, uh, ECW, and WCW stars all on one roof on one night, this is the only place you're going to see it. Uh, and if you're interested in this uh, set, you can get it at PillmanShows.com or the other two addresses that I mentioned, Joe-Dombrowski.com and ProWrestlingLibrary.com. So... Yeah, a lot of good wrestling action on those DVDs. So we saw the debut of Mercedes Monet, as it is pronounced, in New Japan Pro Wrestling on January 4th, their big annual extravaganza, where there was lots of newsworthy events, including Okada winning back the IWGP Championship. But we're focused on Mercedes here because obviously she's been the talk of the town for quite some time about what her next moves might be. Uh, By the way, uh, when you go to Pro Wrestling Tees to get your I'm a Les Thatcher guy or Briscoe Booster t-shirt, you will see Mercedes' new merch because she's got a store now uh, or part of Pro Wrestling Tees as well where you can get some Mercedes Monet stuff. But she made her debut in New Japan on the 4th made her presence felt immediately at the end of the IWGP Women's Championship match and challenged Kyrie, the current IWGP Women's Champion, to a match uh, February 18th in America. Uh, as we talked about, part of the plan for New Japan in this women's division in an IWGP Women's Championship was to have women's title matches on lots of American shows. So that'll be the first opportunity for them to start executing that plan. Uh, but Mercedes, in the post press conference 
made very clear that she plans on winning the IWGP championship, taking it with her to Mexico or any place else she feels like going, in addition to coming back to Japan here and there and defending the title. But here's the thing that I saw earlier this week, Les, that I really want to get your take on, because I was dumbfounded by this story that was on our very own website here earlier in the week, where Dave is reporting that folks who would be in the know in WWE do not believe that the former Sasha Banks is headed to AEW, that she was apparently, uh, the word on the street in New Japan was that She's only there for a small handful of dates that she would not be going to AEW. And she had allegedly told people straight up that she wasn't going there. And that WWE believes she's just going to do these few matches in Japan and come back. And this is the part that I could not understand. We'll get into the whole AEW thing and and the way Tony handled the mystery partner thing in a minute. But here's the part I don't get. We heard in the last few weeks that negotiations essentially fell apart and she got her opportunity to become a free agent, largely because she wanted the same kind of money that Sasha and Becky, uh, excuse me, that Charlotte and Becky were getting. And she was told basically that they didn't see her as that kind of talent who was, who would warrant that kind of top girl money. So you mean to tell me that basically they just told her they don't see her worth the same way she sees it and she's just going to do three five six or seven matches and come back for what as driven as she seems to be as passionate as she is about expressing her opinion and the way she's being used and her discontent with the way she's been used my personal belief is that she's not in any hurry to come back to the company if anything she might be out to drew mcintyre paul levesque into submission to go out to these different places and be so good that they have to bring you back and now you even add in the idea that vince mcmahon is coming back to the company even if it's short term to broker a deal i mean vince is essentially the person who made the decisions that ran her off so anyone who thinks she's in a hurry to come back to WWE within a couple of months or five or six matches. Listen, you may well be proven right, but I think you're kidding yourself. Yeah, it, it's, well, the thing you mentioned about Vince, and, and yes, I, I would think uh, if he is back for the, the long haul, uh, she would she might be leery. I also think there is a possibility that she has sat down with Levesque and, and probably Steph. And, uh <clears throat> If indeed they are that con- have a reason to be that confident, it could be that they have already settled on a f- number that if you come back in, in X number of months or days or week or whatever, uh, then this is this is the deal. Now there could be just a, a a bit of paperwork that you know seals that. If so, then yeah maybe six, seven dates in Japan and then right back to uh, WWE. I think the Vince thing could put that in a little precarious situation. Uh, But if there isn't anything on paper, then I'm thinking you're rolling the dice. See, now that's my thought because, you know, I would think that they're smart enough to get it on paper, but at the same time, this is wrestling and stranger things have happened. She may have just told them exactly what they wanted to hear. Yeah, that's that's possibility too. Uh, you 
You mean the talent might have conned the office and the office might have conned talent? You do tell. Shocking. <laughs> you, I know. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I'm shocked. No, it's it's quite common. Uh, but, yes, unless there's something on paper, I, I, I wouldn't openly say she'll be back uh, because I don't know, you know. And, and uh, we, I think it's pretty much been established that, that New Japan cannot give her long-term the kind of money that she was asking WWE for. Now, uh, <clears throat> can Tony Khan? Yes. Uh, do you, th- and your, your thought is that he tagged, uh, uh, Soraya's uh, mystery partner to take the heat off, right? Yeah. The get out in front of this so that there isn't 10,000 or 15,000 people in LA on Wednesday waiting for the former Sasha Banks and not getting her and turning on what could have been an otherwise good match. Yeah. Well, I would think this too. I would say she's not going to be there Wednesday, uh, regardless. Well, maybe now since they've already named a partner that could be as well. But my thought is from, from Tony Khan's track record, if he signs Johnny, the janitor, uh, from the building (laughs) that we're working in next week, he wants to tell the world. Yeah. He's got his bullhorn out. You're right. Yes. I, Hey, so-and-so is now AEW. So he's now elite, blah, 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 right? I mean, he signed more people in the last year than some of these promotions have signed in the last five. And so, yeah, I, I think Tony wants you to know. If, if he's got Sasha Banks, I, I can't imagine him, you know, unless part of the deal was with her, you know. Uh, okay, I'm, I'll, I will sign with you, <clears throat> or here's a letter of intent if – it's kept on the down low until, you know, I'm ready to come in yeah. and that sort of thing. And of course, those, those are deals uh, under, under the radar that we will never know about if they are signed or if they aren't. But uh, obviously the, the only thing now is to wait and to see how it plays out, I think. So here's the other thing about that. Uh, you know, one possibility is that Tony was trying to get out in front of it, as we talked about. And like you said, he is good for wanting everybody to know well, who is coming in? But what if on this occasion he's behaving like the Booker of the Year title they gave him last year? What if he's decided <laughs> there is no way I'm going to put a star like Mercedes Monet out here on television without mentioning her name for a couple of weeks or or at least not giving away her first match, even if I have her do a run in here and cut a promo or something? I, I don't want her first match to be here. I want it to be on pay-per-view. Do you think there's any chance at all that that's what he's doing? Uh, it's a possibility. Uh, I, I listen. I, I won't rule anything out. It certainly is a possibility. Again, this is uh, one of those things. I can't wait to see the, the, what happens. Right? I mean, we don't we don't see a lot of good stories like that on camera. But we're, Vince has has started a, a good behind the scenes story. Now Sasha started a good behind the scenes story. Uh, we don't have to watch TV anymore, Vic. <laughs> We could just read the website. Yes, there you go. We don't, that's where all it's going to be uh, played out. Yeah, it, it's, uh, again, where some of the more exciting things aren't happening in the ring. Um, but, you know, now, do you know what was the house in Seattle? I Speaking do, of aid. You know what? Let me see if I can pull that up here in the Observer. Uh, if I can't believe that Chico 
doesn't have it and spouted it to the world by now. You know what? He probably doesn't. I just missed it because he was there. So I would imagine he knows exactly what it was, but I'm going to scroll through the, uh, the observer here and see if I can find any mention of that. I see the ratings here. We got the ratings section. That's mostly WWE. Uh, in the meantime, while I look for this, let me just make one more point about Sasha Banks slash Mercedes sure. Monet, because you made the point that uh, Tony Khan could pay her the kind of money she wants. And perhaps the only other place where she can get it, actually, the only other place she definitely could get it would be in WWE. Now, I have no idea what her acting aspirations are or what she's got lined up, because often when those deals are made, there's a period of time where you are supposed to keep it on the down low until uh, the company makes the announcement themselves. But, you know, but if she has the opportunity to pick and choose the matches she takes at a price that she's comfortable with. And she has other things lined up. I mean, in the last few months, she's done. She's walked the runway. She's done a, a number of modeling shows. Maybe she's got another TV gig or something lined up. She was in the previous season of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Maybe she's looking at two or three different things and saying, I can make at least as much or more and not have to deal with people who don't value me the way I see me. Yeah, there's, there's a good chance. that I, I, I think Liv Morgan might uh, give her that advice, wouldn't you? You know what? She did double her money on that website, didn't she, in just a couple of days? Yes. God bless her, is all I can say. Uh, yeah, well, you're right. You're very, you know, I, I know she, and, and she was just uh, on the uh, the show that Blake Shelton has got on. <clears throat> USA, Barmageddon. Yeah, yeah, she she was just on that. So, yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing, too. Well, uh, the Bellas don't seem to be doing too bad financially. And they haven't taken a bump in how long? Been a while. In fact, I just saw a commercial today, a number of them, uh, for another show on E! for a reality show for Nikki Bella leading up to her wedding. Wow. Okay. And, of course, she's the hostess on a Shelton show, on mm. Blake's show. Yeah. So, and she was on the uh, America's Got Talent Ex- uh, Extreme or whatever that was called. Where yes, she last summer, summer before. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, and, and and for those who don't know, these are not $50, $50 indie shots. I'm, uh, the, the pay for these network shows are very good. So, yeah, I, you know, so that, that's a possibility, too. Well, you know, we talked last, last week when we were doing Year in Review uh, that when we, we heard that the, the bad downside contract in WWE is, is a quarter of a mil a year. I could live on that. I don't know. You know, so yeah, when, when you have that kind of star quality and you have been exposed to, to a world basically because WWE show goes all over the, uh, the universe for God's sakes or practically. And so, yeah, I can see, um, you know, I'm just going to out here and freelance, do some wrestling here and some, a game show here and this and that. So, yeah, that's a possibility as well. If you got a good agent, they'll keep you busy, right? For sure. So that's a very po- big possibility, I think. All right, I got the number here. It's in the Observer. Uh, Dynamite did 8900 in Seattle with 8400 paid. And even though WWE touted bigger numbers in the building when they were there in September, apparently arena officials were putting out into the public space that the paid here for Dynamite was actually above 
WWE's last trip in. What does the building hold? That I do not know. Uh, let me take a look. This was their first trip there, right? It was, yes. Then my thought is that building should have been full. More than likely. You know, and whether it was or not, I don't know. You know, so that's why I'm asking. In any event, while I look for the capacity of that building, this was a pretty eventful show. You had the new TNT champion, Darby Allen, dethroning the former king of television, Samoa Joe, in the main event. Obviously, Darby, by the way, thank you, Tony, even though I wish we had built this up over more than one week. You took a guy in his hometown and he didn't look like an idiot. So thumbs up for that. Uh, Although I would have had him beat somebody closer to his own size, quite frankly. Well, but yes, there is I'm just about details. Excuse me for that, but I am. <laughs> I know what you're saying. But uh, there was uh, uh, some pretty good stuff on this show. Not only was Darby and Joe pretty good, you also had, I, to be honest with you, I was wildly entertained by Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus the acclaimed because Jeff pulled out a couple of classic old school uh, things that we probably haven't seen in some time, and they worked. They worked really well. Uh, you know, the finish was, uh, you know, interference here and there, two guys on one, and eventually Jarrett hit the stroke on Anthony Bowens while uh, Satnam Singh took care of Max Caster. And at the count of two and a half, he got his foot on the ropes, did Bowens, and Sanjay Dutt pushed it off. Referee didn't see it. He counted three. He handed the belts to Lethal and Jarrett. They're dancing. They're having the time of their lives. And Aubrey Edwards comes down, informs the referee of record that the heels, those bastards, cheated. And this match should be restarted. Jeff Jarrett tries to go after Aubrey. They break it up. And the match restarts. And, and of course, because it's a thing like this where interference uh, caused uh, this whole situation, within, I don't know, about 90 seconds or so, probably less, uh, Lethal goes in for a roll-up where he puts his feet on the ropes, and unseen by the referee was Max Caster knocking Lethal forward into a roll-up from Bowens. They get the three-count and escape with the championships, and frankly... Even though I was not looking forward to Battle of the Belts, which, as we record this, is happening tonight after Rampage live in Portland, another place which should be pretty packed for their first trip there. Uh, they're having a rematch tonight for the tag team titles, the Acclaim versus Lethal and Jarrett. And I'm actually now halfway interested in watching this match because I want to know what else Jeff Jarrett's going to pull out that we haven't seen in a few years that it's going to get over because people aren't doing it anymore. Well, I'll tell you what he did pull out on a friend of mine. I, I did not see uh, AEW Wednesday night. Like I say, this has been a, an up and down week for me. Um, <clears throat> but a friend of mine said, man, uh, was it Caster or the other kid that, uh, was, does most of the rapping, the yeah. other kid, right? Caster. Caster. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, he had, uh, thrown out that Jerry, uh, that Jared had stolen uh, his wife from angle. And, uh, I guess Jared went on his podcast and worked it like a crazy man. And, uh, even had Conrad saying, is this, is this part of the show or something? And anyway, I, I guess he bitch slapped Caster, uh, Wednesday night. Well, there's some kind of stuff going on between a whole bunch of people on Twitter, but Karen Jarrett and Kurt Angle, the acclaimed got involved. And then we had, the oh, stuff well, on anyway, this guy thought it, it, it's a shoot, right? And I thought, 
good. That means the acclaim will maybe shut up. I won't have to hear them scream at the top of their frigging lungs. Well, based on uh, what I saw on Twitter, I'm thinking it's a work. But uh, and part of the re- not part of the reason, but you know, if there is actual problems there, it sure didn't look like they uh, had any issues working together on Wednesday, and I imagine they won't tonight. Well, good. I mean, if you know, like I say, I didn't see anything, so I don't know. Have have no clue. But yeah, it, it's uh, and then. Yeah, they're in L.A. Uh, coming up this next week, too, right? Yes, they're in Los Angeles next week. That is correct. Yeah, so, yeah, that was, I, I'd be curious to see how they do on that West Coast. But, and like I say, I'm, I'm not saying I, I'm negative about drawing 8,900 people uh, in Seattle. I just don't know what the building holds. I got it right. And here. I was. For basketball, 18,300. So for wrestling, I would say uh, about. 14,000 anyway. Yeah. How big's your set, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say that for a thir- 12 at the minimum 12 and at the maximum, probably 14. Yeah. So it wasn't a sellout. No, it certainly wasn't a sellout, but it was a healthy crowd and one that was lively all night long. And, uh, you know, going back to the whole idea of Tony actually, uh, not punking people out in their hometown. I should point out that not only did Darby win the TNT title, but Swerve Strickland, who's from the general area, was a winner on Wednesday. And obviously so was Brian Danielson, which helped set up the upcoming, well, what we think will be an upcoming title match with MJF. He's obviously got a few hurdles to climb, but he's already put MJF behind the eight ball while agreeing to his stipulations to wrestle people of MJF's choosing, which I now would just have to assume this is the gimmick now. Everybody MJF has a program with, he makes them run through a gauntlet before they get to him. So I guess that's just what we're doing. But uh, Danielson has... Uh, agreed to that stipulation if he got to pick what kind of match they would have should he successfully run the gauntlet. And he chose a 60-minute Iron Man match, which had MJF quaking in his, I'm sure, very expensive loafers. Very expensive. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, that that should be a hell of a match. It really should. <clears throat> I see uh, next week's Dynamite in L.A., Moxley and, and Hangman are finally going to butt heads. And I think the build of that, <clears throat> excuse me, has been, uh, it's taken some time. And I think that's the best kind of build. I mean, I truly do. Uh, so, you know, whatever the outcome is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of this, you know, uh, they've taken a few weeks. They've, they've set the stage, I think, pretty well. Uh, the women's match should be what I, the women's match is going to be. Uh, Dragon is against uh, Takashita. Yes, Takashita. And uh, that, uh, you know, that should be a, a damn good match as well. Who the hell's Big Bill? Uh, big Cass. Okay. <laughs> big Bill and, and Moriarty versus Jungle Boy and Hook. Um, and the Elite versus the Death Triangle in a ladder match. Good for them. All right. Uh <laughs> But in all seriousness, when I look at this lineup, uh, and it actually brings me back to Mercedes Monet real quick. When I see a match as big and one that they've taken their time building like Moxley and Page, and regardless of what we think about the elite and the death triangle, what they are viewed at in this company, you've got two matches in AEW at least that are so big that wouldn't a Sasha debut, I wouldn't say get lost in the sauce, 
but you could save that for a day where you don't have two big matches like that. Yeah, you could. You're right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And now I expect them to, uh, is this their first shot in LA? I, I, second time. For not. It's their second time in. The last time was when MJF cut that promo where he talked about Tony being a mark and then disappeared. Oh, yes, television. yes. I remember now. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Which of, he did apparently in front of the Warner Brothers Discovery executives who ate it up, and they're reportedly going to be uh, in the building again this coming Wednesday. Well, MJF better stroke him pretty good then. I yeah. suppose. He's not listed here, but we're going to have to see him. You know, we haven't talked about the uh, New Japan shows uh, the current ones, but I got to throw out uh, the revival. Man, these guys are just so professional, so damn good. Uh, and you know what? They have done jobs for every Tom, Dick, and Harry <laughs> and people who they shouldn't do jobs for. Yes. And yet they are strong. That tells you one thing. They are good at what they do. You know what? And I, While we're out here handing out uh, compliments, let me just quickly mention before we wrap this show, uh, saw the pic- I mean, I saw the story and then saw the picture uh, afterwards at the Tokyo Dome of uh, the revival FTR together with Sasha Banks and Bailey. I just want to compliment Bailey. That's the kind of friend you really want in a foxhole with you. She's a real one because yes. she came out to Japan to see her girl Sasha do her thing. And I'm here for it. That was awesome. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, it really is. There, there is, there can be a camaraderie in this business that uh, is, you know, steadfast like that. And, and yeah, that, that's true. And I saw that, uh, you know, uh, FDR was, uh, FTR was, uh, you know, there as well. And, and you know, I, I also heard, and I know we got to start wrapping this thing up. Um, they had mentioned uh, how Dax, I think it was, had mentioned how well they had gotten along with. Uh, punk and how punk had helped young guys and i guess they got some heat behind the scenes for that is that right uh, i don't know for a fact but that's kind of a rumor that i picked up on i thought come on you know because they spoke the truth because they didn't blow smoke up some elite ass uh that they've got bullshit well i'm I, sorry but i i can think of at least three people they might have run afoul of yeah and should have three people need <laughs> need to go to school too. And we mentioned uh, this first. the other day too, but it's worth mentioning once again, real quick, you know, FTR two guys who we have a lot of respect for and everybody seemingly does. You love them in the ring. You love uh, everything about them so far. And, and it's interesting that they stood up for punk and they've stood up for Sasha Banks throughout uh, this last uh, year and some change. I mean, they're very close those, the four of them uh, in that picture that we saw at the Tokyo dome, that wasn't just a shot because they all happened to be there. Uh, they have always said nothing but the most complimentary things about Sasha and about Bailey for that matter. And uh, right. defended her when asked about uh, everything that's gone down with uh, Sasha recently. I would say that, the, uh, that tie, uh, the belt show, uh, I'm looking, uh, the, the only match on it is Jarrett and Lethal versus the acclaim. I mean, the only match that I'm concerned to see. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, but here, here again, uh, Kip Saban is, uh, against Cassidy for a title. Don't ask me. When was he elevated to that level? <laughs> I'm still waiting. Yeah. Well, okay. Thank you. Just checking. <laughs> Just wondered what the deal was. Uh, and, and one quick thing, uh, and I, I, I won't belabor it, but I see 
that the numbers for Wednesday night show, 864,000 down a tad, huh? Has to be disappointing. It has to be. And, and I'll ask the question, what are we blaming this one on? That's a good question. I'm not exactly sure where you would point the finger at that. I mean, I suppose, well, what was Wednesday? Was there anything else on Wednesday? Uh, Thursday came later. <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, I can confirm that I, that happened. I, I've, got, I've got to mention this, and you've heard me mention it before, but uh, I brought up Luther Lindsay's name, and I just thought Luther, uh, I don't remember what, t- I think it was uh, Hampton Roads Coliseum. We were in there. Uh, I forget what the main event was, but anyway, the house didn't draw what they expected and people were, uh, coming up with, you know, well, maybe it was this and maybe it was that. And what, what, when you don't draw, it's because what you're featuring is, is not that hot or as hot as you hoped it would be. Uh, and Luther said, well, you know, I just noticed an excuse, uh, excuse book, page 42, uh, three, uh, three columns down. Seal Test has released their flavor of the month today, tonight. So that's where everybody's at, at the ice cream store to get the flavor of the month. <laughs> so meaning that if you, it, you don't draw, if you're not giving the people something they want to see, I, that's pretty, yes, I understand weather, I understand elections, Super Bowls, but overall, this the numbers for this Wednesday night has been dropping pretty steady, haven't it? It has. I'm just looking over this lineup again in order. Uh, Starks and Jericho opened the show. Uh, you had the confrontation between Paige and Moxley. I'm just looking to see where it would have just, uh, I don't know. I mean, if it was WWE, they'd probably put it on Ricky Starks, right? Probably. <laughs> you know, that wasn't a bad match. But again, uh, you know... I don't know that they have pushed Starks. When you're getting ready to push somebody on top, you you want to push them a little harder before they get to the top, I think. And I, I think that's maybe where, in, in my way of thinking anyway, uh, it has slipped up in, in several uh, several times. But, yeah. And, and uh, Starks was riding uh, one of the mentors, coattails and they had the opening match so they should have had the top of the numbers right you would think so i don't have them in front of me here i'm i'm sure if they're not already out there they'll be around sometime soon darby and joe closed the show and obviously this is a little more speculation on our part because we don't have the quarters in front of us but you know 18 months ago darby allen was closing shows and driving numbers up and so i'd be you know very interested to see whether or not that held here because darby has been quite frankly I don't. I wouldn't say in and out by his own design, but he hasn't exactly been featured over the last couple of months. So I'm not sure putting him in the last match, even though it's going to be in front of a hot crowd in his hometown, was the move necessarily because he had not been featured a great deal of late. Right. Right. Well, and yeah, that's that's. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to say too. I, I know we got we, we're out of time and and we can't spend a lot of time. Uh, but Mikey Mikey Nichols, who's an Australian boy. Uh, bless his heart. I got to work with when I was uh, doing the, the uh, guest coach thing at the, at the PC. Uh, and he's been back over there and he and I have stayed in touch on Twitter some, and I see that he's working new Japan as well. He's a good hand and I'm happy for him. So he just is. wanted to throw that in. He and his partner have reformed that, uh, the mighty don't kneel faction TMDK Zach Saber jr. Part of it now too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Zaber's uh, what a, Talk about a guy with a selection of holes, man. He is 
top flight. There's and, no doubt about it. And congrats to Zach, by the way. January 4th became the very first New Japan World Television Champion. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yes. So does that about cover us for today, boss? I think it does. The only thing left to discuss is where folks can get a hold of you so you can run them to death in that triple five drill. <laughs> I'd love to. Uh, yeah, I uh, love to do, uh, well, I can do one day seminars, weekend training camps, obviously the, the weekend training camps, we get more done, uh, you know, spend more time with the talent. But in either case, uh, if you're interested in booking me for something like that, you can reach me at lesthatcher28 at gmail.com. Be more than happy to get the information out to you. But I will tell you what these things for me are the hands-on. Um, <clears throat> I will earn my keep. And I promise if we do a weekend, I can send your people home uh, with some new tools, tools to help their matches and hopefully help the promotions draw. So. All right, my brother. Well, then with that, we will wrap this edition of Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly for the legend Les Thatcher. My name is Victor Sosa. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule here in early 2023 to spend some of it here with us. And we will talk to you again next week.